This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, we're coming back at you into hour three of the Friday edition, December 7 already, and uh, we're really on the short strokes, eh? I mean, how many, what do we got, 24 days left in the month? I'm doing the math on the fly here. Yes. Can 14 the, days till the solstice. Okay, can't hardly wait. Uh, and then we start seeing longer days because, you know, the darkness that has enveloped the land uh, is not necessarily positive with the seasonal affective disorder and all the rest of that. But, you know, with the 24 days left in the year, uh, we've already eclipsed the previous high for number of homicides in the city of Toronto back in 91. Uh, I believe it was 91. So we're at 92 and counting. There was a story, too, but it's outside of Toronto in uh, southwest Mississauga, Truscott and South Down Road, right adjacent to the Oakville town line, uh, where a 14-year-old found murdered, they say, in a park, uh, Signs of trauma you just heard on the news. But I wanted to get back to uh, other matters concerning this story, policing in general. And we've got Global News Radio's law enforcement expert and the former chief of police here in Toronto, as well as OPP Commissioner Julian Fantino joining us, as we always anticipate interesting insights. Julian, good afternoon. Good afternoon, John. Good to be with you. Hey, by the way, Julian, where were you in 91? I mean, I don't remember this, like the high water mark being hit that year. Uh, It was my first year back in Toronto. Yeah, I don't remember it being fussed about so much, but do you recall? I, I do indeed. I, I think that's the year I left Toronto to go to London. That was why, huh? Okay. <laughs> oh, I see. There's cause and effect there. You left and suddenly the, the crime rate spiked. Oh, well, I won't go there, John, but, you know, it's always uh, something that I think about. Well, let me pursue that. I'm kind of curious. Do you think that it has to do with uh, policing at the top can have an impact on these stats? Well, I think, you know, policing generally has an impact. And uh, we've talked many times, John, about uh, how the police uh, are under the gun, so to speak, uh, with regards to many different issues, including their budget and their ability to do proactive policing, you know, the carding issue. I I think all of these things, uh, we don't know know to what quantum, but all these things have have a bearing on what goes on, the quality of life, the safety, security in a community. So what happened in 1991 that would have led to the spike in murders? Well, I, I recall that, that you know the, the, the gang activity began to surface uh, very prominently, uh, the, the gunplay and all of that. Uh, much of it, of course, fueled by the, the drug scene as well. So, but you know, it's different, different years, uh, different, uh, different era. But uh, the st- statistics, as we know them, uh, build up on the basis of. Uh, these kinds of issues, the the, the gunplay, obviously. Uh, but, you know, we've always had that, John. Even when we didn't have such a proliferation of handguns, uh, we had board-out starters, pistols, uh, sawed-off uh, rifles and that. So there's always been this kind of nonsense going on. Yeah, and I guess if I recall now, uh, it seems like crack cocaine was very much in vogue, and that was really uh, coming into the mainstream, eh? Yeah, you're very right, because we were actually identified as well uh, with uh, with speed, uh, even before then, the speed houses, a lot of violence associated uh, with those. So, uh, But certainly the ability of police, uh, you know, policing is a very labor-intensive work. Uh, you can bring on machines and technology, all of that, but it's people to people. And the present, there's, there's no better uh, safety measure than to have 
uh, police officers visible and engaged uh, in the community, obviously, but you need to have the numbers freed up to be able to do that. Yeah. As uh, you mentioned, Julian Fantino is with us, Global News Radio law enforcement expert and former chief of police in Toronto. You went to be the chief of police first off in London. Uh, then you came back, I guess, to Toronto, uh, that you were up in York region for a while and then became OPP commissioner, which is an interesting, uh, career trajectory because having served as the chief, we just learned recently, for example, or it was, uh, reinforced that the necessary criteria for, uh, an OPP commissioner is to at least have been a chief or a deputy chief or, uh, a deputy commissioner. And so you fit the criteria. Now we've got Ron Tavner. I know you know him. I mean, 51 years he's been uh, with the TPS as a superintendent most recently, but he's going to assume the reins of your old job, OPP commissioner, on December 17th. Coming from a municipal force to head the OPP, what lessons did you learn or what could you impart to him uh, advice-wise? Was it a dramatic change or shift? Well, for one thing, you have to learn about uh, the character, the culture, uh, within every organization, it's different, John. So, you know, you can go in there as the man or the woman with the highest rank, but you have to be humble enough to listen to the men and women who are, in fact, uh, the history of the organization, who are, are plugged into the community. And, and the OPP have policing jurisdiction, and not only OPP patrolled highways, but also in over 300 some odd communities across Ontario. So, you know, one has to be very, very mindful of, of the fact that you just can't come in there and, and push your weight around. Uh, mindful, of course, of the uh, the legacy of the OPP that, you know, they've been at it now for well over 100 years. Uh, so tremendous amount of respect. But I think at the end of the day, John, the men and women of the OPP will do their great work that they do throughout the province, regardless of who the chief is or who the commissioner is. So you don't think there might be some uh, resistance for somebody who's an outsider, or do they like to? I mean, look, does the OPP constitute its own culture? Can it get political? Do they want to see somebody elevated from within the ranks? So typically, as you did, and uh, Ron Tavner is coming in from the outside, does that present a problem? Well, the only thing I can tell you, John, is that I, I was welcomed in the OPP. I, I worked well with the OPP. I, you know, we had some very significant challenges to deal with. Uh, Caledonia, the blockage of the 401, the blockage of the of, of the of the tracks uh, uh, in Tendinaga, Belleville area. So, I, 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 the challenges are there, but I always relied very heavily on, on the men and women that were there that I found there the great uh, organization that it is great depth and I relied on them to help me help them to do the job for the people of Ontario and it worked out magnificently including bringing back the bringing back the black and white cars John yeah all right uh by the way Julian Fantino's with us you know Earlier this week, it was cited that there was political interference in the appointment of Tavener, uh, that Doug Ford somehow was implicated, or so the critics and the opposition suggested. Political interference is an interesting one because you just mentioned Caledonia. I mean, did you feel that Dalton McGinty uh, was maybe giving you instructions as to how to handle that whole imbroglio? John, I'm so glad that you asked that question because there have been suggestions and people have written about it that I took orders and was basically maneuvered by uh, uh, Premier McGinty, that could not be the farthest thing from the truth. Uh, those are basically uh, vicious uh, lies that just didn't, uh, that the, the allegations didn't happen. 
and I guess I can say it uh, a classic example of uh, a false news, John. Again, uh, there are a lot of things that perplex me about uh, policing and the real story, like this story out of Niagara region, the SIU is investigating now. Yes. When do you think we'll know the circumstances surrounding that? Because, I mean, even the subject officer in this case, who allegedly uh, fired the shots here, he hasn't been charged. Uh, that's a curiosity. When will we find out what the deuce is going on? Well, you know, John, the SIU has never been known for expediting their investigations. They, they it's very often, uh, they drag on and on and on. But uh, let's hope that they will, in fact, uh, take whatever time is necessary to deal with all of the aspects of this case. And, you know, that involves uh, forensics, that involves uh, interviewing witnesses, it involves uh, delving into people's backgrounds. Uh, there's a whole host of things that need to be done. I, I much rather have an investigative body take all the time they need to get to the facts, to ascertain uh, the, the issues from, from evidence. And if it takes a little bit longer to get to that point, then we have to be uh, mindful of that. Uh, there is no 48-hour kind of programming here, John, as we all know, you know, with commercials thrown in where these things get done. These are very serious issues, and uh, and it's good that they take their time. But obviously, let's hope they do it in, 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 in a time where we can all have those answers that I think the public's entitled to have, and even... Niagara Regional need to be at peace with uh, this situation. Sure, and you mentioned delving into people's backgrounds. The other looming question is, how did the guy who was victimized in this uh, remain a cop, given that there had been so many disciplinary uh, issues on his his track record, dating back to, I guess, uh, 2005 or thereabouts, and uh, pay being docked, uh, allegations of, you know, these were Police Service Act violations. How does one remain a police officer after racking up a, a whole list of these things? Well, that's a good question. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's difficult to second-guess what all happened there. Uh, I, I can certainly attest to the fact that it's very difficult sometimes to, if I can put it very uh, bluntly, get rid of, uh, of people in, in a policing environment because of the kinds of uh, thresholds that one has to go through, the uh, the due process uh, sometimes it's very labor intensive and it takes quite a while. But uh, those those things, John, will be very much, and I'm sure they are part of the investigation that's ongoing now. Uh, you know the why and the how and 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 how come. All right, what you're saying in essence is it's really hard to fire a cop. It's very hard, John, and and uh, you know there are of course all kinds of suggestions about how the police services act should be amended but on the other hand john the reason those protective uh, measures are in there protective to the extent that due process prevails uh with certain what appear to be uh, difficult circumstances in, in 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 dealing with situations it's because very often police officers are are falsely accused uh you know there's there's sometimes mischief making so you know there has to be some protection for the fact that they they face a very difficult job. Uh, much of their work very often is uh, in conflict and confrontation situations. So you don't want them to be uh, willy-nilly uh, uh, accused and dispatched uh, without a, a very formal due process, which is, in fact, the process in the Police Services Act. Right, or as well the courts, because uh, if I can bring to mind Corporal Fursillo, uh, he... Yeah 
tried to uh, get a hearing before the Supreme Court. They turned that down earlier this week. Uh, how did you see that? Was that justifiable, or do you think it was a Hail Mary? Uh, his legal representation were just throwing out there in the hopes that, you know, uh, he might get a retrial? Well, I guess he can say, uh, as with every other Canadian, uh, he had the full extent of due process available to him. And, uh, you know, we have to believe that court after court after court uh, in, in this situation uh, made certain findings. So I guess now he's going to have to uh, accept that and get on with his life, however that's to be. Finally, let me ask you, because having become uh, the OPP commissioner, now we know that the criteria got broadened in order to uh, accommodate maybe uh, more candidates. This was exactly uh, what was said by the headhunting firm. Do you think it's fair to broaden the criteria of evaluation for that position? I think what's fair is that uh, the best possible person be selected, and I have no idea, John, how that all happened. Uh, I probably uh, am operating with the same knowledge that you have. Uh, you know, people have to be accountable, and they have to explain uh, these uh, these 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 issues. And and and, uh, but again, I, I circle back. Uh, my concern would only be. Uh, that uh, the men and women at the OPP just continue to do their job no matter who the commissioner is. Could a superintendent on a municipal force like Toronto uh, adequately fill that role? Well, you know, John, rank is not uh, is not a measure of a person's worth, value, uh, ability, and so forth. So I wouldn't get hung up on that superintendent thing. Uh, you know, I went from I went from staff superintendent to police chief as well. So. You know, I've done my my jumping of the queue, if you will, but I like to believe, like everyone else that gets into these jobs, that you've earned your way there. Julian, I really appreciate your time as always. We'll talk down the road, I'm sure. Uh, Have a great weekend. Thank you, John. You as well. Thank you. Julian Fantino, Global News Radio law enforcement expert, former Toronto Police Chief and, of course, Commissioner of the OPP. Well, now you know. Uh, There you go. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.